Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. This is Tom Fox. Welcome to the March edition of The Compliance Live. This month, I'm featuring Audrey Harris, Audrey is a managing director at Affiliated Monitors. Audrey has one of the most interesting careers in compliance, having begun just after the turn of the century in private practice investigating FCPA cases, working as a chief compliance officer at an international company, going back into private practice, and now taking all of that knowledge to Affiliated Monitors to help companies build out compliance programs. In this episode two, Audrey moves into the CCO chair. The Compliance Life details the journey to and in the role of a chief compliance officer. How does one come to sit in the CCO chair? What are some of the skills a CCO needs to successfully navigate the compliance waters in any company? What are some of the top challenges CCOs have faced and how did they meet them? These questions and many others will be explored in this new podcast series. The Compliance Life is hosted by Tom Fox, and each month he'll present the story of one CCO through four episodes. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. We're going to have a quick word from our sponsor, and then we'll be right back with Audrey Harris on The Compliance Life. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back with another episode of The Compliance Live with Audrey Harris, Managing Director at Affiliated Monitors. So, Audrey, in this episode, you're going to tell us why you did something you said you would never do uh, again, and that was move into the CCO chair 
after having seen multiple CCOs die, painful professional deaths, I would say I'm surprised, except that my sense is just from listening to you so far, you love a challenge. So what challenge did you see and what intrigued you so much? Absolutely. Well, I did, and I did say I would never do it. However, um, what I really saw were some changing dynamics um, that we talked about before with this commercial pull coming. And I had also seen this opportunity and worked with a few companies to use resolutions and investigations, which really challenge to as a springboard for their compliance programs. Um, and I started to see this commercial case for compliance. Um, so really in my head, I had a hypothetical experiment. Okay? Um, and I thought, what if um, I took on a CCO role and had it a little bit different? Um, it was a little bit different company that wanted to achieve certain things and really have impact. Um, it was also for a set time frame. Um, so what if I came in with no other expectations but to be there for you know um, three years and do nothing but set up the program and focus on compliance? What if we aligned incentives a little bit different way? And what if the company was really keen on seeing um, how it could use compliance uh, as an actual uh, competitive advantage, um, a legitimate competitive advantage in that space? And that's what I saw at BHP. Um, and it convinced me to pack up my family and move to Australia um, to go and see if uh, this hypothetical compliance experiment uh, could actually be executed in real life. So I have to ask, um, I have lived and worked overseas, but I was single when I did that. What was it like to pack up a family? Uh, was it just seen as a great adventure and the kids absolutely loved it? Um, how did how did the adventure part work for you? Um, well, I'll just say on a personal note, um, my husband's in the space industry and actually had to leave um, a, a um, job as the inspector general of an agency uh, to come with me. So it was a family decision to take on this risk and this new adventure together. Um, and our boys uh, were, uh, one was just entering kindergarten at the time. Uh, but I will say that they thought about it as a great adventure, um, which it absolutely was. Uh, and I had the full backing of, of my family in that, which I wouldn't have been able to do this and, and we wouldn't have been able to have this great adventure without it. Um, they absolutely loved Australia. And I'll say my now 11-year-old still has a bit of an Aussie accent um, and will occasionally tell me to pop something in the bin rather than the trash can. Um, uh, but yes, they went to, to Brighton Grammar and loved every part um, of Australia. I will say I spent a lot of time on planes to the rest of my team from Australia. So one of the big things I got out of it was an appreciation that across the United States flight is not that long. Um, that's a short flight by comparison. I remember the first time I flew from uh, Perth to Sydney so that I could fly back to the U.S. And what I had not fully appreciated it was uh, only six hours from Perth to Sydney. Um, it's just insane. You don't under, you have no appreciation of the distances and I'm a Texan. So that's saying something. <laughs> that is saying something. <laughs> um, yeah. You put together a, what I think is a great top 10 lessons that you learned. I was wondering if you could go through that, uh, sort of as your experience in sitting in the CCO chair. Absolutely. Well, I grew up with, you know, David Letterman's top 10 list. So, um, when you asked me before, as we were talking about this podcast, 
what did I learn? Immediately, my mind went to, oh, it's going to have to be a top 10. Um, so we'll start with, um, and, and walking down, I actually will start with number one in this way. But number one, set expectations. So I really learned to going in to the seat as well, to set expectations with my board, with my executive um, committee as well, that one, there's no perfect programs. And actually, I should say setting expectations with myself um, and really thinking about that there's really two types of compliance failures. One, where the company fails the individuals, and two, where an individual fails the company. And really, your program is about preventing the first and detecting the second. Um, and really setting those expectations with everyone that you're going to have problems, you're going to have challenges. Um, the issue is not you know, perfection. The issue is how big those challenges are going to be. And what's the cause of them when you start, um, when you bring that to your board? Um, but really setting those expectations, I think, was one of the first things that I learned and the first one on my top 10 list. Um, the second one is, is a corollary to that. It's there is no done. Um, so risk is a part of your industry, your business model, your culture, and your external environment. All those things are constantly changing. So your program is going to be constantly changing. Um, it's never going to stop. You're never going to be done with compliance. Um, and so that was in, you know, pretty much my second uh, learning or top 10 is there is no done. Um, three, I would say, was know the business. Huge learning in this space was to remove lawyer language everywhere you could. Think about how your company operates when you're talking about compliance. Use business terms. Um, it makes life so much easier and so much more effective and so much more simplistic for your program. And that's really where I started the concept of map, align, and leverage, and really learned about how to think in that space. Um, my fourth of my top 10 was be ready to go. Um, I think any CCO who sits in the CCO chair, um, you have to be ready to leave that position at any time. Um, you really don't think about what your next steps of the company are going to be, um, or where you're going, or have golden handcuffs on. You have to be ready to say today might be the day um, that I leave. And having that mindset really puts you in a place where you're very unlikely to have to leave um, in those situations. But that mindset of always be ready to go um, was really something that I learned is, is enhanced effectiveness when I was in the chair. So my fifth, as we get halfway through it, is hindsight is 2020. Um, you will make mistakes. Uh, for regulators and enforcers, I was always thinking about, you know, how are they going to look at the decisions that I'm making when I'm sitting in the chair? Um, they're going to have hindsight. And what I really, my quick test that I would have as my gut check when I was making decisions is, you know, could I explain the why of why I made this decision? Um, and was it reasonable at the time? And do I have contemporaneous documentation as to why I made that decision that I would point to and be comfortable with. Not that I was right at the at now with hindsight, but that I was right at the time. Um, inside failures in your team are going to happen too. Um, they're really the fastest way to learn. Um, and I really encourage everyone in that point to be, you know, to be the man in the arena um, as, the, as the speech goes, because 
you really need to try valiantly and know that sometimes you're going to come up short, whether or not it's in a program or whether or not it's in a team exercise. And you really can just learn and continuously feedback loop from that. And that includes knowing myself um, in this process. Uh, a saying I used to tell my team quite often is that, you know, uh, something my mom used to say, which is you can't stop people from saying things about you. All you can do is stop them from being true. Um, and sometimes your worst critic when you're running a compliance program um, might later on turn out to be your best cheerleader. So really don't give up in that space and realize that uh, mistakes will be made and hindsight is 2020. Um, my sixth uh, of my top 10 is it takes special people. Um, so one of my big learnings in uh, a compliance program and being a CCO is that to do compliance in an active way, to not be Dr. No or compliance capture, it's really about the people. So what would I recommend? I would say don't hire a resume, hire for character. Um, that resilience, that curiosity, and that perspective um, is what's really going to make someone successful in the compliance program, um, especially one that is very active and we're asking you know, compliance officers to walk into business rooms where someone may have hung up on someone yesterday um, and say, hi, how are you doing today? Um, welcome that challenge and that communication and that education. It's really about, you know, hiring in that, you know, special people uh, to do these compliance roles. Um, my seventh one is something that um, it, I learned from a client. And I would, I fought it so hard when I was external counsel. Uh, but when I was in-house, I learned it to really be true. One of my clients used to tell me all the time, Audrey, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. So my number seven top 10 as a CCO is don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Um, being able to make those decisions on the fly is very, very important. Um, so there is a GC out there and he knows who he is, who is laughing um, because of how hard I used to fight on that, on that particular one. Um, eight, so my eighth of my top 10 is risk should be owned by the creator um, and don't outsource ethics. So as programs continue to mature, one of the mistakes that I would see be made is you're hiring out new compliance people, you're building programs. And so there's this feeling of compliance should deal with that. Making sure that risk ownership stays with who creates it at the business level. You may own framework, but not risk. And making sure that those decisions still have the business involved in them is incredibly important, especially in avoiding what I think some of the more mature companies might deal with, which is an outsourcing of ethics. Um, oh, I'll just send this to compliance. If it gets through their program, then it's okay to do. Um, so that was another real big uh, top, top 10, number eight for me. Um, number nine was be not only the chief compliance officer, but the chief compliance marketing officer, because nobody else is going to be. Um, I didn't realize how much of my job was going to be about marketing the compliance program um, and marketing the team and marketing um, the initiatives that were going on. But it's such a critical role for a CCO is to be able to explain that and be out and marketing the program 
um, in you know, very business uh, relatable terms, but incredibly important. And finally, I've already kind of talked about this as we did, but my top 10, number 10, um, is the commercial case for compliance. Sitting in that seat and seeing actually during this time period that co the commercial case for compliance actually, dare I say, matters more than the enforcement and regulatory case for compliance was eye-opening. Um, in starting trainings and discussions with the commercial case and not jingling handcuffs um, in the effectiveness of that was probably my biggest learning and so my final top 10 of my learnings in the CCO role. Audrey, could I ask uh, for maybe a couple of the top achievements or things you felt like uh, you were the most proud of uh, when you sat in the, the CCO chair? You know, it's interesting. They're not, so my number one is not really um, achievements, um, but actually some of the people that I worked with. Um, watching some of um, team members who I was privileged to work with um, become and just really rock stars in compliance and watch them blossom from different backgrounds, whether it be legal or ethics or audit, to become these fantastic, passionate um, compliance professionals and really succeed in their fields. Um, and those relationships that I have out of that um, is, I will always say, uh, my it's not my accomplishment, but what I'm proudest of um, and what's most long-lasting. Of course, I mean, we graduated during that time period, graduated from a self-reporting requirement at the SEC. Um, the companies publicly talked about a lot of their initiatives, including um, with regard to the supply chain and procure-to-pay initiatives, which were fantastic. Um, you know, my mandate grew from just into corruption, competition, and trade sanctions into ethics, um, hotline reporting, market manipulation, state and commercial secrets. So that expansion of that team and being able to really start looking holistically at non-financial risk um, was so impactful to me um, during that time period um, as well. Uh, lots of, uh, you know, lots of, I think, what people would say are resume type accomplishments, but really it was more what, um, what I took away uh, in those personal relationships um, and in those, uh, you know, perspective changes that I always feel was most impactful to me. Audrey, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I hope our listeners will join us in our next episode where we take a look at your post-CCO career. I look forward to continuing this conversation. Thanks, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Thank you again for listening to this episode of The Compliance Life. I hope you'll join me again next week where I take up another episode in The Compliance Life. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. If you would like to be featured on The Compliance Life, please uh, give me an email at uh, tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Also, if you like this series, please give us a rating on iTunes. Uh, any review and rating would definitely help get the word out about the latest addition to the Compliance Podcast Network. Thanks again. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.